stay at home and protect lives. That's the clear warning from the health secretary, Matt Hancock, who says it's not a request, but an instruction. I folks, quick update for me on the campaign against coronavirus. I want every American to be prepared for the hard days that lie ahead. Finding faster ways to test people who may have the virus. And it was such an incredible moment that it's now taking place every Thursday at 8 p.m. None of us can say when this will end, but end it will. Hello and welcome to Corona Chronicles, where in the coming weeks we will attempt to touch base with a wide range of people from all walks of life to talk about how the current situation is impacting them both professionally and personally, as well as offering a cup full of cheer, some top tips and stats, and most importantly to touch virtual base with a cheery hello and without the need for hand sanitizer. I'm Nick Randall. A vital service to the elderly and those with special needs has become even more significant during lockdown. A direct link between the individual and an understanding voice at the end of an intercom that can calm, advise or even call family members for help. More people than ever now rely on a service like this, one that helps support the NHS by dealing with individual needs before they might potentially escalate. And at the moment, with hospital beds at a premium due to COVID-19, this is a service that is proving essential. So with me on the line is St Ananda, who's uh, involved in one of the many telecare companies that support uh, vulnerable people. Uh, welcome to the programme, Saint. Uh, first of all, I'd just like to get an idea in general of what you do for people who might not understand. So a telecare companies, what we do is we have uh, we set up a, an alarm system, an alarm box, an intercom, really, in their home. Um, and then they have a, a, a necklace or a bracelet when they press that button. And then it activates the intercom, which um, activates, you know, at the alarm center where I work, it comes through and then I would speak out over the intercom asking if they're okay. Um, And if they need help, they have a list of uh, emergency contacts or um, for me to call to have them assist them or an ambulance. And it is mostly for uh, elderly, but also for uh, vulnerable people. So, I mean, do you also deal with people who are in care homes or presumably they're all being looked after separately? That's a different uh, different story. You know, honestly, we do have a few and, and, and well, management may understand why they have them in place. I don't oh. <laughs> <laughs> but because they they do have cares. But there's also sheltered schemes as well. Yes, of course. But, yeah. you know, there, there was a bit where we had um, remember hotels were uh, made into um, hospital rooms for coronavirus patients. Yeah. And we did have a contract with one of those. And so we had special instructions if somebody called in. So therefore, they would be in the hotel, each you know, patient in the room. And if, like if you are in a hospital and you press the button for your nurse, mm. uh, but it would come through to us and then we would contact whomever was watching, you know, whoever was there to attend to them in that room. Sure. I mean, my mother had one of these uh, devices and it, it proved invaluable to to just her uh, peace of mind, apart from anything else. If she had a fall or anything like that, it could be resolved within a very, very short period. So it's a fantastic service um, you do. Have the calls escalated since lockdown and what type of concerns are you dealing with? I will say that the sales have gone up quite a lot. I mean, there's definitely the... the um, the way in which coronavirus shows up more is when people, the emergency contacts, you know, are cautious about how much they attend 
when they're asked to go check on someone right. or when we have to call the ambulance to attend, we need to make sure that we inform them whether or not coronavirus symptoms are, um, are there. But mind you, a majority of most of our clients are elderly and, and therefore they're um, either shielding or isolating. I mean, are you are you finding a lot of people you speak to are quite scared or lonely or I mean, do they just sometimes is it is it more that they they might need some service, but they also fancy a bit of a chat? And, and are you allowed to have a time to, to talk to them? Yeah, definitely to have a, a little bit of a chat it doesn't happen too often. Um, but yes, that is one of the things that is notable with the coronavirus is that because they're more so lonely because they don't get to get visits as much as they, they used to. Yeah. And then you can just feel it everywhere. It's I'm feeling it more and more. It's just like that sense of, of sheltering down and feeling isolated and cut off. Yeah. So that does happen. Uh, uh, I do notice that more as um, the lockdown has happened. But if we have calls coming in, because the way it often is, it'd be the calls come in dribs and drabs, you know, one here and there and, few minutes couple more and then and then it's like they all save up and suddenly come in and we're all rushing to take the calls mm. uh, but yeah a few minutes of chat uh, we do have like one client in particular who will ring her bell and just say oh i'm just having my tea now oh. and then 20 <laughs> minutes later oh i'm having a sausage uh, a sausage oh, roll oh, that's adorable I mean, I can understand that's very frustrating, but it's rather adorable at the same time. It depends how busy no, you are, actually, I guess. I, I really like that particular client. <laughs> it's just a, a sweet little thing, you know. She'll say, I'm having a cup of tea, and I'll say, oh, I am too. <laughs> but if you're having to call an ambulance, um, and presumably you monitor when the ambulance has arrived and things like that, are you finding that ambulances are, are arriving pretty quickly, or, or is that slowed down since lockdown? It depends on the on the nature of the call. So, like, the way it works is there's an intercom. It's just a box, an intercom box, and it's near the main phone. So if they're away from the phone when and when it activates and I can't hear them and they can't hear me, mm. then I need to then call their phone. And if they don't answer, then call their contacts. And if I can't get anyone to attend, yeah. then I need to call the ambulance for a welfare mm. check. That might take a little longer. Yeah. If somebody has fallen and they're not injured and they just can't get up, that could take quite a while. But that all really all depends on, on where in the country it is mm. and how taxed the ambulance services, particularly you know in that particular area in that particular night. And even when I worked at the ambulance, there'd be times when somebody has a fall and an ambulance can you know is not injured, mm. or, um, and the ambulance can you know, happens to be able to be there in half an hour. And then other times, as we've seen on the news, four, five, six hours. Yeah. So it's really very dependent on the region and the night and um, what's happening. I just was wondering with uh, the the pressure that the NHS is on at the moment, that you were getting frustrated with uh, waiting times for ambulances because of uh, directly connected with, with lockdown, or you haven't really made a connection there? Um, well, it seems, and as I said, it is region by region, you know, so okay. if somebody's calling in, in London, then it's, you know, uh, there was a bit where um, when the virus, when we first went into lockdown, um, that there was, you know, you would be in a queue for the ambulance, mm. um, particularly around London. 
But I, I think that it, it seems like, it feels like to me that once we went into lockdown, there was that fear for me and for everyone around me where it's, okay, this is real now. And I think people's um, perception of how they feel, um, you know, was that a tickle in my throat? Ooh, I coughed. Mm. And they're more urgent and, and fearful. So yeah. um, it seems like that the ambulance service was more difficult. Uh, you had more of a queue to mm. be able to get through to them. Sure. Whereas once we've we've just kind of gotten used to it, yeah. We? Do you feel the services been your service has been stretched to the limit since lockdown? And uh, 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 are you quite short staffed? I mean, what are these sort of uh, the day to day sort of setup for you? They're continually trying to get more staff in, but right now people need jobs, don't they? Well, absolutely. Um, and then some of the people are working from home, and that's taken a bit for them. It's not set up for that. So there are people um, who are more experienced who are working remotely. That is physically. Those who are more vulnerable. Yeah. And what about social distancing when you're at work? I mean, do you have a big office or, or what's what's the setup there? Are you all managing? Um, it's it's oh, it's a bit challenging okay. to keep social distanced right. as much as we 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 make our efforts, and it does it. You know, at first we were very, you know, vigilant about it. But after a while, it just kind of feels like you're at home because you're going to work and you're accustomed to everyone. Mm. Yes. Um, and then it's like if you have a problem on the computer and it's like, well, I don't know what to do this call. The automatic thing is to come and look over that person's shoulder. Yes, yes. And so we really kind of have to remind people, I need you to, you know, step back. Oh, yeah, mm. that's right. Step back. Um, so it does become challenging. And there are some people who don't quite. Maybe they don't. They don't feel vulnerable. Yes, you know, I'm older, and I have an underlying health condition, not you know a grand one, but just mm. enough to make me more vulnerable. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so I'm a bit more aware. Yeah. Um. So you find you do have to sort of be quite vocal, reasonably, regularly. Yeah. And I feel like I'm giving, I'm giving in a bit. I'm, I am. You know, I, I live, I live in Norwich, and Norwich is actually one of the places that is not hit so hard. Okay. Uh, we really don't have uh, met that many cases here, mm-hmm. so it is relatively safer. Okay. You know, but I, I don't want to find out the no, hard way. No, of course not. Absolutely. But there is the, the, the thing. As soon as it hit, hit, it was a panic, and we all had a panic of whoa, stay away. Mm. Um, and to keep distance. But then after a while, you don't see anyone around you dying. Sure. Well, if you don't see well, anyone around you dying or being significantly sick, yeah. then there's just a human nature of like, oh, it's all right. I'll mm. be fine. Mm. I do wear a mask. Um, I am the only one wearing a mask. Right. I'm the only one who does wear a mask um, in, in the office. And I often have to step back to keep my distance. Mm. Um but I particularly will see the young people sitting right next to each other, mm. um, like on a downstairs stof- sofa in the breakout room, and they've had to be chased off of the picnic tables outside, having to be reminded that just because you're outside. So it tends to be the younger ones um, that just seem to be oblivious. That's um, interesting. And you don't have like a team leader to enforce things or or like a group meeting when you yeah. say, right, we've got to make sure we're all motivated and aware all the time. Because if you're the only one wearing a mask, that's, um, you know, quite interesting in a small room. They, <laughs> and I think, you know, there's also the bit of like when I do question it, they're like, well, I haven't been anywhere. Mm. You have been to the store. Of course, you know? absolutely. 
Though I, I do that I do struggle very much with that. I um, think this is sort of on a wider level, this sort of just opens out the conversation about how how people are social distancing effectively or not. And particularly young people, a lot of them might feel that they're, they're uh, you know, superhuman and nothing's going to touch them and not even taking yeah. on board the fact that, yes, they might get mild symptoms, but they might pass on to other people. And this is obviously, it's interesting that um, in a, you know, a typical work environment, which yours is, is one of, you're, you're working in a room that's not particularly big to social distance, but you're doing your best. Uh, but but some people are getting that more than others, and I'm not sure this is, this is a very much a, a, a general snapshot of an, an awful lot of people um, in work at the moment. A week or so ago, um, I was, you know, I was getting petrol by the um, Sainsbury, you know, and and so I went in, and other people were wearing masks, yeah, and they were being very vigilant about social distancing, mm-hmm. and I'm like. Oh, there really is a virus to consider <laughs> because at work it really didn't feel like there was. Yeah, that's interesting. So, and how is it impacting you on a personal level then? I mean, obviously you're hearing a lot of these emergency calls that you know some of them might be quite distressing, and also we're in lockdown anyway. Um, how are you sort of coping on a day to day basis? Well, like I said, I, I did work for the ambulance service um, for a year, taking um, emergency calls. And the level of, of, of the calls that I took in that year, many still stay with me. And okay. that was an incredibly stressful job. Um, and I have the highest respect for anybody who, who carries on and can do that. So having done that, this is easy. This is oh. fine. I'm, oh. I'm not stressed about this for the most part. It's a relative holiday for you. <laughs> It's pretty much. <laughs> it yeah. sounds like it's much easier. in comparison. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you're sort of, uh, you know, you've done you've done your baptism of fire, as it were, with the ambulance, and um, now you've you've got your nice old <laughs> yeah. ladies to chat to and everything. Um, Saint Ananda, thank you so much for uh, joining us on the show and, and giving your insight into um, uh, how the lockdown is uh, affecting you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. And our thanks again to Saint Ananda there. And now it's time for a summary of the world news dated the 15th of May 2020 as we're recording. One in 400 people in England is infected with coronavirus, a study of 11,000 people in households suggests. They were asked to carry out swab tests over the two weeks up to the 10th of May. This indicates about 148,000 people in England could be currently infected. That's 0.27 of the population. And this could help ministers calculate the reproduction R number, or transmission rate, of the virus, and whether tracking the contacts of infected people is feasible. The study is set to expand over time to test 25,000 people in private households across all four UK nations. The leaders of the main teachers' unions in England will meet the government's top medical and scientific advisers today as differences continue over plans to reopen schools to more pupils from early June. Some teachers believe it's not yet safe because of coronavirus. The Education Secretary, Gavin Williamson, has said everyone involved in education has a duty to work together to get pupils back to school. Doctors have been quoted that hospital managers are trying to stop them speaking out about shortages of protective clothing. Dr Jenny Vaughan from the campaign group Doctor Association UK told BBC's Newsnight programme that some medics felt they had no choice but to go public about their worries. 
There are calls for tighter restrictions on the use of data gathered by the new NHS coronavirus tracing app, which is being tested before a national rollout. Parliament's Joint Committee on Human Rights wants legislation to clarify who can access the information and how they can use it. At least 35 babies born to surrogate mothers in Ukraine are stranded there because coronavirus restrictions have prevented their parents from overseas from picking them up. Nannies and nurses are now caring for the newborns in a hotel room in the capital, Kiev. Dennis Herman, a lawyer for the fertility clinic, is currently in charge of looking after the babies. Here, wildlife experts and police have raised concerns about protected birds of prey being intentionally killed during the lockdown. The RSPB says it's been overrun with reports of birds, such as hen harriers, peregrines, buzzards and red kites being shot or poisoned. As countries in Europe start to emerge from lockdown, they're experimenting with ways to get people dining out again. An innovative solution in Amsterdam is currently being trialled and tested. It hopes it will provide a way to help people adjust from isolation to a degree of social contact. From the 1st of June, Dutch bars can reopen their terraces with restrictions in place. Restaurants, bars, cinemas, theatres and museums will also start operating again under strict conditions. And that's the latest world news. Well, we'll be back in a week's time for another Corona Chronicles. But before we do, just to mention that we have a brand new email address, which is show at gmail.com. That's show at gmail.com. Bit of a mouthful, but uh, you can contact us there. So until next time, this is Nick Raddle saying stay at home if you possibly can, stay safe, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>